0: Thank you for joining us here at Celebration Church, where we celebrate God, celebrate people and celebrate life. We hope you enjoy today's message. But whatever things gain to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, For whom I suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of my own derived from law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering, being conformed to His death. Oh, Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords, there is nothing greater than you. There is nothing greater in all of eternity than knowing you, King Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the first and the last, the one who is, the one who was, and the one who is coming, Jesus. You are worthy. You are worthy of it all, of not just a bit, of not just what we feel like, of not just when we're in the right headspace, but of it all. It's not about our emotions and our feelings. It's about you, honouring you, King Jesus, putting you at the rightful place of head of your church, head of our life. Jesus, that we might not get so familiar with singing songs of just going through the motions, Jesus, but that it's you that we are worshiping. It is you, the one who gave it all up, his holiness, his place with the Father. You gave it all, you sacrificed, you laid it all down, the glory. For us, for this, for this moment, for these interactions, for this communion with you. It is not our right to stand in this building this morning. It is our privilege. To know you. Paul said it in Philippians, to know you. Everything else is rubbish Every other opinion, every other thought process, everything is rubbish in comparison to knowing and deeply knowing you. So when we say you are worthy of it all, you are worthy of it all. Holy Spirit, search our hearts. Find if there is any imperfection or impurity in us when we say those words Make it be our truth. Make it be our reality that, yes, in my life, Jesus, you are worthy of it all. Because everything else is of loss compared to you. To sit with you, to be in your presence, to hear your voice speak, to feel the kindness of your love. The God of revival, church. The God of revival. The reason I'm leaving a bit of room is because I feel like there's dust in the air, in the atmosphere. And I just want it to settle. Because the beautiful thing about church, but also sometimes a challenging thing, is that you are all coming from your weeks, your workplaces, your families. You all have a long list of prayer requests, worries, concerns, fears. We are a group that comes together, but you're all individuals. And I just feel like in some of us, in most of us probably in this room, there's dust in the air. And I just want it to settle. Because when you come into this place, like I said before, he is the goal. He is the prize. He knows exactly where you're all at. but it's also our conscious decision to focus our attention on him, to focus our affections on him, to let the dust settle, to take in a deep breath and breathe out and let his peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding, the peace that doesn't have to make sense, his peace that says, I've got you, I know you, I hold you as an individual, not just as corporate, but as an individual this morning. So take a breath, breathe in his presence, and release whatever dust, whatever concern. There's some people that I'd like to pray for, if that's okay. Um, if you have any form of sickness in your body if your body is not well can you just raise your hand awesome keep your hand raised I'm just going to pray thank you Jesus thank you God Holy Spirit for all of those hands raised in person physically in the room and also watching online or listening. Holy Spirit, I just pray for peace over their cells. Might sound like a funny funny prayer to pray with healing, but I actually I declare your peace over cells right now. Over inflammation, over any hurt or brokenness in terms of cell structure or or muscles or tendons or bones, anything that is out of alignment, I speak your kingdom peace right now into everybody, that your peace would come right now like a river from the throne and just wash over all of these hands that are held, that as your peace settles on hearts and bodies, and fibres and neurons and electromagnetic signals that are going on inside people's body. Jesus, I just declare your kingdom peace, your kingdom structure, your kingdom alignment. Jesus, for people that have prayed for healing for years and that this prayer can sometimes get tiresome and, and even discouraging, God, I just I declare your peace over hearts and I declare a miraculous washing over of them right now in your precious name. That even as they stand and sit there, they would feel their bodily bodies settling. They would feel pain diminishing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Declare your peace. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I also want to pray for any um, parents that have teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Ooh. <laughs> If that is you and you are a parent that has teenagers, raise those hands to heaven, Jesus' name. And if you are around these people and you want to go and lay hands on them, please feel um, comfortable to do that. If you don't want anyone to come and touch you because you want space, that's fine too. But for the parents of teenagers, let's raise those hands in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for these incredible parents, God. I thank you that they have been given gifts of your children to steward and to lead. And Holy Spirit, I ask for these parents to be given an extra portion of your wisdom this morning. In knowing how to raise, in knowing how to lead. In a world that is, you know, driven by technology and everything else that their challenges are faced with. Holy Spirit, I ask that you give them your wisdom. And I ask that you give them your kingdom strategy, Holy Spirit, where they are weary and where they are tired, God, that you would empower them, that you would give them strategies from your your Father's heart to them that you see their kids, that you see their teenagers, that you see their beautiful children and your heart for them as a father, God. I pray right now that you would start to unlock your, your father's heart in them. Kingdom keys on how to parent, kingdom keys on the wisdom of how to lead them, the wisdom of how to love them, the wisdom of how to speak truth into them. And for the parents that have their hands raised in the room and also listening and watching online, Father, just for your refreshment, Just for your refreshment to rest on them. Being a parent is not easy. Being a parent of a teenager is not easy. But Holy Spirit, I pray that you would encourage them, that you are with them, that they are not parenting alone, that you have gone before them. You are not letting them just do it by themselves, that you are holding their hands. Because as you parent your teenage kids... The Heavenly Father is parenting you in the same way, leading you, guiding you, loving you, ministering to you as you minister to them. So relax this morning in his Father's arms. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for our incredible parents in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. Amen, amen, amen. Cool. Oh, you can find your seats if you want to. If you don't want to, that's okay as well. <laughs> Amazing. I think it's okay that we take some time to pray, especially when I feel um, the prompting would be very disobedient if I didn't. Thank you. All. Thank you. Thank you. All. Um, Good morning for those watching online, hello. For those that are listening, hello. For those that are physically here, hello. Welcome, welcome. Um, My name is Charlie. Um, Charlotte as well is my actual name, but people call me Charlie. Um, And I'm excited to share with you this morning. Um, Band, you're good. You can take a seat. Yeah, we'll get you up to end, but um, at the moment we're all good. Um, I just wanted to just say again, sisterhood in a couple of, next week, I was going to say in a couple of weeks, it's next week. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. I know that, you know, we've, we've done sisterhoods um, a lot, but this one, I really feel like it is going to be more of like a worship night and like a refreshing night. Um. So we're just going to take time. Like, I mean, I know even now I have a two, nearly two-year-old. He's nearly two. Um, like, life as a woman can be exhausting. Um, so we just want to take that time as sisters to just come, rest in his presence, relax. Um, we'll have worship. There will be food after the service. Um, and anyone is welcome from 16 years and up. Like, I'm not precious about, you know, having... You know, other churches here, like, I want people, anyone, everyone to come be refreshed. Um, if that's a space for you come do that. Um, I'm really looking forward to that which is going to be amazing. Um, and then also I just wanted to share a couple of testimonies. I shared some last week and we've got some more coming through so please like we are called Celebration Church so let's celebrate yeah like if God is doing something let's not be afraid to get a little bit jolly about it. Um, so I just want to share some testimonies. Beautiful Beth Gallagher, I don't think she's in the room because I think she's actually on kids this morning but my gosh she's so encouraging and she sent through, like Beth Gallagher is somebody who, when you hear her story, or just when you hear her talk, she always has these crazy testimonies. But it's because that she's actually stepping out and doing something. Like she's not someone that just sits on her hands and be like, "Oh, look, there's a need. I'm just going to sit here." She's someone who like takes opportunities, which is why she has all of these testimonies, which is so cool. Um. So she has an incredible testimony of just being able to opportunity to invite people to church. She said that she went out to dinner one night in Nara and there was like this violence thing that broke out, but in Saying that it didn't involve her, but she said it was awesome because I got to sit with the person and wait for the police to come. And while she was sitting with them, this person, it was a young person, was, you know, very emotional about it all. And she just got, she said, I just spoke to them about Jesus, spoke to them about the love of God, got to pray with them. The police turned up and this girl was in tears and she was saying, you know, I feel so loved and cared for. And like, it was just, again, it's just such a cool testimony that she's just being Jesus, even in those situations. Um... Again, same thing happened when she was dropping off one of her young people, um, her work environment, she works with some young people, same thing, something happened inside of a home that wasn't like a good situation, a bit of a domestic violence situation, she got to... Speak to those children. She got to talk to them about Jesus, invite them to youth, got to then talk to the family. And she's just like, she's just speaking Jesus and truth into situations that some of us would be a little bit like, you know, scared of or concerned with. She just goes in there with such grace and ease, um, which was really cool. She said she's been praying um, in the car park for people to get healing when she finds people. Um, So she's just amazing. Um, And then also at Youth on Friday night, just wanted to celebrate. They had four salvations of our young people, which is so cool. And then they also, um, a really cool testimony that Ben sent through was that at the end they had um, some of the young people come up and pray over the city, and he said the presence of God was so powerful in that moment. So it's young people praying, which was so cool. Um, Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So good, it's so good. Are we good? Are we good. Let me look at you. We're going good. We're good, good, good. Um, over the last couple of weeks, obviously we have a bigger family sign, um, up the back. So that is our kind of um theme for this year of family. I've shared on what your role is in the family. we shared on um, being a family that welcomes people home. I love that song, that Ringing the Robe song that we sung. So many words, but like so great when you actually get the words. I'm like, oh, such a good declaration song. Anyway, um, no, I shared last week about being a family that waits on the Lord and having that moment with Him. Um, I want to share this morning, and then we're actually going to do it as a church, um, around being a family who prays for each other and the city. And I have a little bookie book up here with me. So... I just want to, this is not like like a little promo. It is kind of, but look, it benefits your soul and your spirit. So who cares? Um, So my incredible father-in-law, I just wanted to boast on James and Annie Halliday for a second, if I may. Um, They're Benaya and Jessica's um, parents and I am just so blessed and privileged because I married, I think, into the most wonderful families. You know, when people are always like, oh, you're in-laws, like you don't want to go and spend time with your in-laws and it's all like this weird, I love my in-laws, like I'm like, and so vice versa, I think Benara and I are blessed in our marriage that we don't have that weird relationship with any side of in-laws, um, but I... Just want to honour um, his dad, Pastor James, um, because I believe that he, him, and um, Annie pastored the church here for thirty years. They are incredible men and women of God, and I still we have the privilege of going down and spending time with them, and sitting with them, and talking to him about all of his revelations. It's incredible. But he wrote this book in, gosh, what was it like? Twenty twelve, maybe. I don't know, does anyone know? You know any? 2012 around there? I'm, I'm looking at the, <laughs> the brains trust over here. Um, he wrote this book in about um, 2012 and it's a book about prayer and I remember at the time I was younger and I read it and I, you know as a young person you kind of like yeah read it just because it's the pastor's book and it didn't really impact me the way it is now and I feel like Pastor James has always been someone who is before his time. When he preaches, when he wrote this book, when even when he shares with me when we go down and visit, I'm always like, your revelation is almost like it's years ahead of the church. But what you're sharing now, I think, is so vital. And so this book, I have started reading because <laughs> this year I've started I don't know. I don't know even if I should tell you because then it's like accountability. <laughs> no, this year I don't really do like New Year's resolutions. But I did say to Beniah, I want to read a book a month because he has challenged me. My husband is incredible in the fact that he is always learning. He's always researching. He, You see him up here on a Sunday. He is not just a senior pastor. There's stuff that he is training himself in and learning about, I've always been inspired by him because he wants to be better. If there's something that he doesn't know, he researches it or he learns about it or he reads a book on it. It's not just an ignorance of, oh, well, like he wants to be a big capacity person. And I think that I've always been, um, I've admired him for that. So my thing this year of being like, I'm going to read a book a month. I've started doing that. This is my, what are we in? March. (laughs) This is my March book. Um, and honestly, Church, I started reading it just because, I mean, I'm not just reading Christian books, shock horror. I read my first book in January, it was called Lifespan, and it's um, about health and wellness and longevity. Very interesting, a little controversial, but if you want to read it, good read. The second book I read in February uh, was called The Resilience Project. Um, I think Jessica actually bought it for Benaya one Christmas or birthday or something. And it's about um, this teacher that starts this, it's called The Resilience Project. I don't know if you've heard of it. All about like mindfulness, empathy and teaching kids in schools how to be thankful with what they've got based off him visiting a school in India. Anyway, so that was really interesting. I'm a teacher, so it was appealing to me. And then this book, I literally just pulled off the shelf because I thought I need a March book. And to be honest, can I be honest, <laughs> this was like the second week of March. I was just like, oh no, I haven't started reading my book yet. This book looks pretty thin. <laughs> Yoink, <can I? laughs> anyway, anyway, what are we now? We're the 27th. I have a confession. I haven't finished the book yet, but I've got a couple of days, church. I've got a couple of days. Anyway, no, no, finished on the last like 12 chapters. No, I'm joking. I've read more than that. Uh, anyway. I started reading this book and I was just so blessed and so blown away by the revelation in it. And like I said, he wrote this book years ago and I'm sitting there on our deck and reading it going, oh my gosh, I love this. Oh, I'm underlining. I'm like, it's it's so refreshing to me because I feel like for today, for today's church, for to this moment, I'm like, this is what is so encouraging to my heart, so that's why I was like, I'm going to preach about prayer this morning um, because it's just revived, I guess, the way that I see prayer, the way that I believe that we should be praying for our city and for our church family. But um, also, if you do want a copy, um, I was texting James and Annie about it and I was like, I love it so much. And Annie was like, we've got boxes of these books still that have not been like, like you know, that are just sitting in our house. So if you do want a copy... It's $15. Um, But come and speak to me. I would love to be able to bless you and put this in your hands as a resource for you to learn from. Um, It's fantastic. So anyway, a family who prays for each other and for its city. So really basically, and I know that as a church family, you've all probably, you know, gone, oh yeah, prayer like our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Um, It's so much more than that. And I think that as a church family, when we start to understand the... um, The beautiful, intimate moments of prayer and what that can accomplish, I think, is amazing. So prayer is simply communion with God. It's a dialogue, not a monologue. But we are very good at our monologues. We often come to God with our long lists, our list of wants, our list of needs, Often our prayer life will look out, we're driving in the car and we're just whinging. I do this all the time. My prayer life is whinging to God about stuff, expressing my feelings. Then I get out of the car and I go about my day. Um, but how often we pray and what we pray about says a lot about us and it says a lot about our walk with God. Um, so James 5 verse 16 says, Confess and acknowledge how you have, been, how you have offended one another, then pray for one another to be instantly healed, for tremendous power is released through the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly believer. Yeah, that's that like in itself is like quite an intense verse. It's the Passion Translation. Confess and acknowledge how you have offended one another. I think we're really good at doing that, actually. I think we're very good at sometimes voicing our hurts. But the next bit then pray for one another and be instantly healed do we stop and do that moment as a church family that reconciliation moment of you might have hurt me but let's reconcile and let's actually pray about that the tremendous power is released through passionate heartfelt prayer of a godly believer all right prayer shouldn't only be your SES call so oh come on our wonderful SES volunteers. Is any one of you a SES volunteer in the house? No? Okay, that's okay. (laughs) Not like shaming or anything, I was just wondering. The SES does an incredible job, yeah. They are there, they are volunteers. There's a lady at my school that does, um, she actually, she's a little bit older now, so she runs like the command centre of our Shoalhaven area of the SES, sends people out. And I was talking to her recently with the floods and they do such incredible work. They're there if you get stuck in floodwaters, they're there to mend your roof, they're there to pull trees off your roof. Like they are volunteers that are there in our worst natural disaster situations. But how many of you call the SES when it's a nice sunny day, when it's like even today? How many of you have been like, oh, hi, SES, just giving you a call to check in? We only call them when we're in need, yeah? We only give them a call when there's a disaster and something has happened and we need helping. And I think sometimes we do this with God. We use him as an SES volunteer. And when stuff is bad, when stuff is overwhelming, when you're fearful, when something's going on in your world, when you need a breakthrough, you go to him. And that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that. Look, the first point, it shouldn't only be your SES call because... There is so much more inside of a prayer life we've got, inside of those intimate moments with him, that if we're only ever going to him with our needs, if we're only ever going to him when we're in danger, when we're in trouble, we miss out on that deepening, intimate, quiet place with him where you actually get to restore your relationship and get his worldview and his perspective. So it's not bad for a season. I'm not saying it, but this quote from Bill Johnson is really good it says a lot of prayer is actually an expression of unbelief if you are only ever going to God and talking to him and communicating with him when you are in need it actually is a revelation sometimes of your unbelief it's a revelation of your not trusting it's a revelation of your fear. It's a revelation of things are out of my control and out of my hands. I'm going to go to God. And how often do we even hear people in our community, people that don't even have a walk with God, when something goes horribly wrong, they start to pray. And that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that you shouldn't go to God when you need him 100%. But if we only ever do that, our relationship is only ever so deep. Let's be real. I don't have the same relationship with the SES volunteer that I do with my husband. Yeah? My SES volunteer that I call up when I'm in times of crisis, they come and they help me. They come and rebuild my house. They come and save me from a floodwater. But I don't have the same walk with them that I do with my husband who knows my good days, my bad days, my happy moments, my joyful moments, my you know, struggles, that intimate relationship that I have with him. It's not the same So when you're thinking about your walk with God, your relationship with God, is he just your SES volunteer or is he your spouse? Is he your intimate best friend? Matthew 6 verse 7 to 8 says, And when you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. We come to God sometimes with our lists and our worries and our concerns, and it's just like this. <laughs> and he loves you, and he's a good dad, and he's kind. Bear at the moment, I love him, but sometimes, man, it's like he just says the same thing over and over, and you're like, okay, yep. What was he saying yesterday in the car? Stuck. He had something stuck on his finger. He's, like, he was eating a cracker, and like the crumbs got stuck on his finger. And he was in the back seat, literally going, stuck, stuck, stuck. Stuck, stuck. And I go, yeah, I can see. Yeah, it's stuck. It's okay. Dust it off. Stuck, stuck, stuck. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Just dust it in. Stuck, stuck, mama. Stuck, stuck. And it was just this constant. And I was like, man, kid. Like, I get that it's stuck. Like, but I think sometimes, and I love him. So obviously I'm not going to be like, But at the same time inside, I'm like, raw um, <laughs> No, but I think sometimes like that's what God's like with us. We're this constant, stuck, stuck, stuck. Stuck daddy, stuck, stuck. And he's like, okay, I see it. I acknowledge it. I get it. That's what I was doing with Bear. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. I can see that. But inside you're like, but if Bear only ever said to me, stuck, mommy, stuck, stuck, I'd be like, gosh, our relationship is not any deeper, any more intimate, any more. It's just this little bird, (laughs) this little. (laughs) Pastor James and Annie have magpies that they feed down at their house and they've got a baby bird and they call it bear because it's constantly like, and I'm like, that's so true. At the moment, that's what (laughs) what bears lie, just. Anyway, we don't want to be that with God. We don't want to be this verse where it's just, it's meaningless words. It's over and over and over because you know what? He gets it. Before you even ask, he knows. You don't have to say, stuck, 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 mummy, daddy, 500 times. He sees it and he goes, I know. Prayer should not be just our SES call. We need to pray his will. I sometimes, not to like, (laughs) be like, if you've sent this to me, don't worry. But when people send you those messages and it's like, love you, praying for you, sometimes I'm like, what are you praying? Because <laughs> sometimes it's just such a flippant, oh, I'm here for you, I'm praying for you. What does that mean? What are you praying? Like, are you just praying based off a reaction to what you think is going on in my world? Or are you praying the will of God for my life? If you're praying the will of God for my life, bring it on. If you're praying just a reaction prayer of, ah. Oh, praying for you. Not that it's still not powerful, but I want someone who prays the will of God over my life. And I believe that this is what we should be doing. In 1 John 4, verse 14 and 15, it says, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything, little pause, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we will have the request which we have asked him from. So many Christians use this verse to be like, oh, if we ask him for anything, Jesus, Lamborghini, Ferrari, like, no, no, no. If you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. There is something in that church that we have to be so good at when we're being a family, when we're praying for our church family, but when we're praying for our city, that we're not praying reaction prayers. We're not praying just based on, that person hasn't been to church for five weeks. I'm going to pray for them. Jesus, just bring conviction into their hearts. Like, that's a reaction prayer, yeah? When you see somebody and their marriage might be going through, oh, do you know what? I'm praying for you. Like you are praying reaction prayers. You're praying reaction based off what you're seeing in the moment. There is a deeper level church that when we are a church family that has each other's back, that when we send those texts that says, I'm praying for you, I know that person is sitting with God. They are not just running to Him for the SOS, the SES moments. They're intimately sitting with Him and knowing His heart. And when they say they're praying for me, baby, I better watch out because the will of God is coming my way when you pray for the people inside of this room when you pray for our city are you praying based out of a reaction are you praying just based out of the need based out of the situation or do you see with the holy spirit and you go i want to pray according to your will what is your will for their heart god what is your will for that that person what is your will for that family what is your will for our city our schools what is your will for our church What is your will for our pastors and leaders? Am I sitting and getting his heart, his agenda, his motive on things? That is what we need to be doing. But you need to spend time with him to know his will. I guarantee, again, I know it's an easy um, comparison, but with Benaiah, there is no one in this room that knows him like I do. Guarantee. Guarantee. That's a good thing. He's my husband. For those of you that are new, you're like, who is this guy? No, that's a good thing. Um, Because I sit with him, because I see him on his good days and I see him on his bad days, because I hear him when he's in his joyful moments and I hear him through his tears. I spend time with him so I know what he wants with his life. I know what his hopes and his dreams are. I don't know his will. I don't know, you know, the will of Benaiah, Like I would know the will of Troy or or the will of Ryan. Sorry, I don't spend as much time with these wonderful men as I do with my husband. You need to spend time with God to know his will. You can't know his will just from a Sunday. You can't know his will just from a sermon. You can't know his will just from your SES quick phone calls. I'm in a dramatic moment. Jesus, I need you. I need your help. You need to sit with him. You need to go into that secret place. That tabernacle with him, shut off the world, and it's a conscious decision. It's actually you have to lose something from the world, whether it's TV time, whether it's social media time, whether it's going out for dinner with your friends. It's going to cost you something to say, Let me put that aside, let me go into the secret place with him, let me shut the doors, and let me sit, let me hear his heart. Let me stop for a second, let me slow down and intimately engage with him in that moment of what is your will? Father God, what's your heart? When you see our city the way that it is, when you hear about the domestic violence cases, when you see the hurt and the brokenness that's going on, how do you respond, Father God? Because I don't want to just turn on my TV and pray reaction prayers just based off what I'm seeing. What's his heart? What's the father's heart when it comes to the situations that are going on in our world at the moment? When it comes to church leaders that are stepping out of leadership, when there's so much hate going on, what does God say about that situation? What does God say about the situation going on in Europe with Russia and Ukraine? What does he say? What's his heart? What's his will? Do you know? Or are you just getting fed information from the news? You're just getting fed information from conversations, from social media? Have you sat down with God and asked him, what do you think about this? Do it. I encourage you, do it. Because he is always willing. He's always willing to communicate with us more than what we realize and more than sometimes what we give him credit for. This is a quote from this prayer book from Pastor James. Before we work for God, let's walk with God. Before we speak for God, let's speak with God. Do you know his will? Every time Benai and I get up here, it's not a moment for us to share our opinion or our thoughts. I wrestle. This week I have wrestled with this word. I've sat with him. Even this morning when Mark was doing the offering, I had my eyes closed and I was like, Holy Spirit, I want to hear you first before I even speak. This is so good. Before we work for God, we have to walk with God. You have to have those moments with him. Before it gives you the right to get up and preach or get up and do anything else, you've got to know him. You've got to know his heart. Before we speak for God, you have to speak with him. I can't speak on his behalf if I don't know him. And again, some of you might go, oh, I don't know what his will is. This is a real little key, okay, little hack. If you don't know what the will of God is, pray his word. Yeah? If you don't know the will of God for a situation, pray his word. Go to the scripture. Look it up. Google it. What does God say about fear? Go to a scripture. Go, okay, I don't know what God, I don't know what his will is in this situation, but his word says. Be anxious about nothing. But in everything with prayer and petition, present your request to God. Okay, I can pray that. If you don't know what his will is, go to his word because his word is his will. Amen. Prayer leads us ultimately to him. We come to him with a list of requests and then we realise that he is the greatest request. He is the goal. He is the prize. We had a pastor's day a couple of Saturdays ago and we had a moment of sitting and waiting on his presence. And I had... Um, one of the young pastors come up to me and he said oh Charlie it was so good just to sit because he goes often you know we're in the busyness of life we're in the scheme of you know what's going on and you can be a little whirlwind and he's like and I, sometimes I come to God and I have all of these requests he goes and I come to him and it's like you run into his courts and then you go oh oh yeah what what do you want to say cool Everything else is gone. Everything else you've dropped as you've walked into his throne room because you gaze upon him. You see him. You realize, oh my gosh, Jesus, let me repent. It's actually not about my financial situation. It's not about, you know, anything else that I had fear on. It's not about any of – because I see you. And everything – and he said – and then this guy said to me, this pastor said to me, he goes, but you know what? He's so generous and he's so gracious that he often still answers those requests just in conversation. He often still leads you in conversation to what your list was. But that's not the goal. He is the goal. He is the prize. And I love this. Sometimes our prayers should be silent. Sometimes it should just be us watching and learning. Matthew 11, 29 says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A lot of times, and I know for me, a lot of times I've read that scripture and been like, oh, his yoke is easy, but his burden is light. That's ministry, that's family, that's... But when you read the first bit, take my yoke upon you. You know that they would used to do this in the... I was gonna say the olden days. I don't know, Bible days, olden days, ancient days. Um, <laughs> they would, when they were training a young oxen to pull the cart, they would often yoke it with the older one that knew what it was doing. So when it says my yoke, the yoke is that wooden. Has anyone seen that, like that big wooden thing that they put over the necks when they're pulling the pl- the plow or the cart or the whatever they're doing, farming tool. Um, And often when they had a younger one that they were training up, you want to put two young ones together because none of them know what they're doing. Young teenagers, little buff heads. They're like pulling the card everywhere, not knowing what's happening. Whereas the older one gets it. It's done it before. It's done the root. It's done the plowing journey. So this verse says, take my yoke upon you. I'm the new little baby one. I don't know what's going on, Jesus. Learn from me. Learn from me. That yoke, it's you learning. It's you learning his ways. It's you learning his tools. When we're being a family, we're learning how to do that. We're learning how to pray for each other as a family. We're learning how to pray for our city. And he's the one that's my teacher. Sometimes when you go into your prayer closet, it's not you, little baby bird. Stuck, mama, stuck, 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 mama. Sometimes you just need to come and you need to sit. And you just need to watch Jesus. You just need to sit and watch him. Watch the way that he's conducting the universe. Watch the way that he's orchestrating creation. Have conversations about it. This is such a beautiful verse. There's another quote from Pastor James that says, While we say, if only I had more hours in the day, or if I wasn't so busy and tired, the Lord would say, If only you knew what I have in store for you, you'd come. If only you knew. I've been in church. I'm, how old am I? 31. <laughs> you get to that point in your life where you're like, pause to be like, let me count the years. I'm 31. I have had the privilege of being in church my whole life. But let me tell you, prayer is something that you can become so familiar with so quickly because it's always talked about. Yeah, Christians, we pray. That's what we do. But this, if only you would know what I have for you, you'd come. Let me ask you, and this is not to put shame on you. It's just to ask, how many hours have you spent in prayer this week? How many hours have you spent sitting with him? Oh, yeah, but if only I had more hours. If only I wasn't so busy and tired. Yeah, but do you know what he's got for you if you come? And not prayers of wants, needs, lists, disasters, SES calls, I need you, Jesus, but actually I'm coming to sit. I'm coming to sit at your feet. I'm coming to learn from you. I'm coming to learn your ways. I'm coming to sit and receive you because you were the goal. You are the prize. And I read that beautiful Philippians 3. I won't read it again. Philippians 3, verse 7 to 10, if taking notes, when Paul says everything is of loss. Everything is rubbish. Your goal, church, is to know him. And when you pray and when you sit with him, that is where you get to know him more deeply. Not coming to him to ask something or get something, but coming to him because he is the prize. To observe him, watch him and communicate with him because of who he is. Again, this is another quote from this book from Pastor James. It says, We are sitting with Jesus, watching him run the universe and engaging in conversation that arise from this experience. That is what your prayer life should be. Sitting with Jesus, watch him run the universe Asking questions. Jesus, what do you think about that person in church? What do you think about their situation? What do you think about, okay, let me get your heart engaging in conversations around this, engaging, engaging, actually, your prayer life being directed by His presence, being directed by His will. That is powerful and effective. That verse that we read to begin with that the prayers of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It's powerful and effective when you sit with him and when you know what you're praying, when he's directing you, where you're learning from him, when you're learning your ways. You know what? Maybe God's not offended at that person. Maybe God's not concerned with that situation. Maybe God's relaxed. Maybe God's like, look, I've got it all under control. That was supposed to happen because this and this and this is going to happen. And you go, oh, okay, cool. I can relax in you. I can rest in you. This is one last Very long quote from this book, but it is so beautiful. It is so beautiful. Let me read it to you. Our prayer approach can be confident, but not flippant. We should approach with faith, but not foolishness. For as we get to know God, we find him magnificent and awesome. Unlike any other being we know or have ever known. Truly, he is set apart and we should treat him as he is. The very revelation of who he is transforms our prayer life. His being fills our ability to know him and transcends our ability to understand him. Yet at the same time, Jesus instructs us to know him as our father. What an incredible balance. What a challenge to enter into his amazing presence and to dialogue with him in prayer. It is in this private place, the place of true intimacy, where we really get to know him. He is calling us there today. And as we respond, the reward will be to know him. How beautiful. Is that up there? Yes. If we are a family that prays for each other, but prays for each other as a family and as a city from that place, my gosh, what an incredible family of support, of love, of accuracy of kingdom you're not praying just that flippant i'm praying for you yeah oh i heard you you struggling this week praying for you what are you praying for what has god told you what has he told you in the secret place when you've sat with him what is his will for this situation don't just flippantly pray for people a blessing yes i'm that. Prayer is always powerful, but I think we can get deeper and we can get better and we can get more accurate with where God is taking us. I want to be a family that when someone is going through something in our church, when our city is facing a crisis, where stuff is going on in our world, it's not just a flippant reaction prayer, but I get his heart, I get his will, and I get his intention for it so that I can pray so accurately into that. There is so much more when it comes to prayer, and I just want to encourage us around that. My gosh... We need to get a little bit more focused, maybe, in the way that we approach this. So can I welcome up the band again? I mean, let's welcome up the band. That's such like a... No, the band can come up. And we're just going to take a couple of minutes to do this. And I'm not talking about like, you know, I don't know, open mic prayers. Let's just take a moment just to sit with him. And I want you to ask him about your situation. Ask him about our family, our church family. Maybe ask him about some sons and daughters that aren't here. Ask him about our city. Sit with him in that intimate place. Allow yourself to get into that moment with him and ask what his heart is. Ask what his will is. And then pray that back to him. Or maybe some of you just need to sit and listen And watch. Maybe you need to put that yoke on and say, Jesus, teach me. Let me learn from you. Let me learn your ways. As you're conducting the universe, as you are making things grow and everyone's breathing and bodies are forming, like, let me learn from you. Let me learn your ways. Let me learn how you handle when somebody speaks against you. Let me learn how you, you know, do you get offended? When people write these big posts about the church and about, like, what do you think about that? How does your heart react to that? What makes you angry, God? What makes you happy? What makes you sad? Learn from him. Let's have a little moment to do that. So, Father God, prayer is your idea. Communion with your people is your idea, that dialogue that beautiful intimate moment of us sitting at your feet and learning you that's your plan it's your idea so we just want to take a moment as a church as as individuals to sit with you I pray holy spirit for people that are, are facing real tragic things in their life right now really hard circumstances I ask that you would speak your will into that, that as they sit with you, that they would get your heart on that. For some of us, we just need to sit and learn from you, learn your ways, learn the way that you operate. But we make a conscious decision right now to shut off our mind from the world, shut off our mind from the noise, the dust, the opinion, and to sacrifice a moment to come and sit at your feet And to hear you speak. And as you do God. We just want to talk with you. We want to pray to you. We want to communicate with you. So I thank you Jesus. We just take that moment. Thank you Father. Father I thank you that you are not distant. That you are not hiding. That you are not withholding. Father, I thank you that when we come and we sit at your feet, we come to learn your heart and your will, that you are always so generous and so kind. And Jesus, I pray that over the next week that you teach us, you teach us how to operate in this secret place with you, with prayers that are your will, are your heart, for our family here, for for Celebration Church, but for our city for the people you know that we know that are lost and hurting and broken that would be known for our accurate prayers because we spent time with you and that ultimately God that we would just be so drawn into that intimate moment with you where even if we come with a list that what we get what we get in response to that is you that's so much more worth anything more than we could ever hope dream or imagine you are it you are the goal we love you God we love that you're so kind and you're so generous with us and you're so forgiving and and gentle as well even when we we get it wrong even when we be that squawking little toddler you're so understanding and your heart is for us so we thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. If you do want prayer, if you do want someone to stand with you, if you do want someone to come and lay hands on you, we'll leave the room open. We'll leave this moment still happening. Um Because sometimes it's okay. Sometimes that's what a family is. Sometimes we need each other. We need to stand with each other through things. Um, So if you need that, feel free to come down. One of our team will come and pray with you. But I hope that that blessed you. And I hope that even in that couple of minutes that you've heard some answers or that you've learned something from him, that he's shown you something about him. Um, We love you, church. Have a blessed week. But yeah, if you need any any other support, we're here for you. So we love you. Cafes open. Uh, we'll see you next week, Sisterhood, and then Vander Brothers the following week. Awesome. Love you, church. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, please go to celebrationchurch.com.au.